Well, this morning, before we jump into the Word, let's bow our heads real quick, shall we? Let's pray once more. Father in heaven, as we're about to open the Bible, please open our hearts and our minds. Help us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Bless this time, O Lord, and I pray that we would walk away from this with a blessing. And more than that, with encouragement to walk closer with you this coming week. Be with us now, O Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are going to continue looking at the kings. We are almost at the end. Have a few more to go. Um, Today, we're going to be looking at a very not-so-famous king. His name is King Amaziah. It's not even a king's name that you probably mention that often. And maybe even some of you here don't even know that such a king ever existed. King Amaziah, he was the son of the king that we looked at the last time. Who was that? You forgot. The boy king, what was his name? Not Josiah, it was Joash. Okay? It was King Joash. And the mother's name, Queen Jehoadim. You'll remember that Josiah, uh, Josiah, you see now you all got me confused. Joash was assassinated. He was killed. Um, But let's go over to 2 Chronicles 25. We're going to be spending pretty much all our time here this morning. 2 Chronicles 25. And we're starting in verse 1. Just to get a quick background about King Amaziah. 2 Chronicles 25, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Amaziah was 25 years old when he began to reign. How old? 25. And then it says that he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. So, King Amaziah, he was 25 years old, and he reigned for how long? 29 years. That means at the age of 54... He finished his rulership. Verse 2, the Bible says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And as I mentioned, we are looking at all the history of the kings that had a good track record for the most part. And yes, some of them went bad later on in life. But for the most part, King Amaziah was a good king. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. However, not with what? A perfect heart. Now, what does it mean when he did not have a perfect heart? If you go to other Bible translations, in the NIV or the NASB, for example, it says, but he didn't do it wholeheartedly. Okay? In ESV, it says, yet not with a whole heart. So he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but he didn't, with his, he didn't do it with his whole heart. He didn't do it wholeheartedly. And we're going to look at this later on, but this kind of set the tone for the rest of his life. He did that which was good, and we're going to look at the good things first, and it's mapped out here in Second Chronicles 25. What are some of the good things that King Amaziah did? Let's keep going. Verse 3, now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king, his father. So when he came into kingship, he took revenge in a sense. He, he exacted vengeance on those that assassinated his father. But notice what it says in the next verse. But he slew not their children. 
but did as it is written in the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying what? The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers, but every man shall die for his own sin. Look, King Amaziah was a good king. He was well-versed in the Torah, the books of Moses. In fact, pretty much all the kings, when they came to kingship, they had to, by their own hand, had to write out the whole of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Did you know that? So Amaziah was no different. He was familiar with it, but not just that. He did according to that which Moses had instructed you will find that here is quoting from Deuteronomy 24, that the fathers will not die for the sins of the children, and the sins will not die, uh, the children will not die for the sins of their fathers. So Amaziah, when he came into kingship, he exacted vengeance, rightly so, but he did not destroy the whole family. He was not only just a good king, he was a just king. Something we should be praying for this coming Wednesday, amen? want someone who is just and honest and faithful. And trust me, those prayers that are sent up to heaven, they don't go unanswered. God, He has a way of hearing those prayers. But let's continue, verse 5. What else do we see about good king Amaziah? Verse 5, Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over thousands and captains over hundreds, according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them how many? 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. So, the kingdom of Judah had a rather large army. They had up to 300,000 men that could fight. However, look at this, verse 6. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for 100 talents of silver. So he thought, hey, my army's not big enough. I need to have more. So he went and hired 100,000 men out of where? Israel, they were brothers and sisters, they were cousins, okay? So they, they were just their neighbors. And he went and hired 100,000 of them, and it cost them 100 talents of silver. Now, I did a bit of research, and I looked into what it cost for what is 100 talents of silver. This is not 100 talents of gold, much, much, much different. 100 talents of silver is worth about 1.7 million in today's currency. And I'm talking about U.S. dollars, okay? So, 1.7 million U.S. dollars, that's about what? 6.8 million ringgit. Okay? It's not a small sum. So, he took about 6 million ringgit and he went and hired another 100,000 men to help him fight the battle that was coming up. Now, look at what happens. Verse 7. But there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. But if thou wilt go, do it, be strong for the battle. God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. So this prophet, he comes before Amaziah after he had hired 100,000 men out of Israel, and the guy says what? Don't do it. Don't do it. Just go with what you have, which was rather large already, 300,000 men. So he said, look, this 100,000 men, don't let them go with you, okay? God is not with them. 
You know, friends, that's the thing about unequally yoked. Many of us, we looked at, uh, look at relationships and we say, hey, they're Adventists, it should be okay. What's wrong with them? They're baptized, their parents are Adventists, they come to church every week. Look, Judah and Israel were brothers and sisters, so to speak, under Christ. Are you with me? They worshipped, quote-unquote, the same God. But yet, the prophet came and said, look, don't do this. They weren't even getting into a relationship together. This was just a partnership about fighting a war together. This is not as intimate as what we call boyfriend and girlfriend, or even in the future, husband and wife. But the prophet said, do not do it. And you know, Amaziah had a very, very important decision to make. Six million ringgit. Should I burn it or shouldn't I? I've committed to them already. I've asked them to come. What should I do? You know, we, we get these questions sometimes. Pastor, I paid for this course. 10,000 ringgit. Are you telling me I should stop already? Yes. If it makes you disobey God or break the Sabbath, yes. I've even had someone come up to me. They were studying specialty for a doctor. And he kept failing his exam. He said, should I stop? I said, yes. He didn't. He's a specialist today. But you know, so, some of us, we, we think that I've committed I've come this far. I've done this much. And some of us, we, we get to this point where we're like, no, 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 I cannot stop. I have to go through with it. People will ask me, should I get married to this girl? We're engaged already. No. It's not too late until you say, I do. Amen? Amen? The only thing that you got riding on the line here is what? Your pride and your reputation. Uh, you know, this was a good friend of mine. He came into me and uh, I gave them counseling. But at the end of it, when he got engaged, I said, hey, brother, it's not too late. Are you sure you want to go through with this? I just have to make sure as not just a friend, but as a pastor, I give you both sides of the coin. They're struggling in marriage today. It's never too late. Amaziah had gone ahead made this league with the Israelites. I'm not talking about Israel and um, the, the, the other section. And this prophet says, don't do it. Look what happened. Verse 10. Then Amaziah separated them to wit, the army that was come to him out of Ephraim to go home again. Wherefore, their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in what? Great anger. Do you think they understood? It's like God has told me we shouldn't go forward with this. They did not understand. And you know, think, sometimes I think that we are more afraid of the consequences of how people will act or react, and so we go ahead with a foolish decision. My mom is going to be angry. This girl and her family and her friends, and they're, just, they're all just going to hate me if I don't go through with this marriage. You're going to hate yourself for the rest of your life if you do it. And then you're going to hate your wife. You know, but, but sometimes when we weigh up these consequences, we, we think to ourselves sometimes, I've gone too far. Do you know what I mean? 
Amaziah had a really, really important decision to make. I mean, look, he was faithful. Judah was the good side of the Jews. Israel was bad. And he could have said, look, if I do this, I'll, I'll lose my chance to witness to them. We could have come up with a lot of reasons as to why Amaziah should have gone ahead with it. Come on, we're just, we're just fighting a battle. You're holding a spear and a sword. Okay, we just have a prayer, but we can pray with them as well. He could have come up with a lot of reasons as to why he should have gone ahead and not listened to the word of the prophet. Do you see that? And sometimes we think that our reputation is really important. I said, yes, well, I've hired you already, and now I don't want you to go with me. But I'm telling you, friends, sometimes to stand up in the face of something that you've already done and go and turn around against it, it takes a lot of courage. Do you know that? Leaders are in very, very precarious situations. It's, it's almost like a balancing act sometimes. Do you know that? And you go this way, someone on this side is going to get angry. You go this way, someone on this side is going to get angry. Do you know that? I'm in those positions all the time. And we don't realize that, you know, at the end of the day, it's not even about pleasing man. It's about pleasing God. Amen? Amen? You know, if we don't ever put this in our forefront, we will always find excuses and reasons to go against the clear and express command of the Word of God. Sometimes you think, oh, you can't be a good leader because, look, all these people, they hate you. But you know, they all hated Moses. And then when he died, they all cried for him. It was too late. But being a great leader doesn't mean that everybody loves you. Being a great leader means that God blesses you and He's with you. You see? Amaziah, he for the most part, did that which was good and right. He even was able to stand up in the face of all that people could see. You made this higher. You hired them. And now you're turning your back on them? What is wrong with you? Not only that, you just burnt up six million ringgit. Can you imagine? And sometimes we commit so much money to the... We, we just can't turn around and do something else. But friends, sometimes you commit 100000 to a business venture. Look, friends, if it's wrong, just let that money go. If you know that it's going to go against the clear command of God. In humility, yes, you might make some people angry, but it's okay, amen? It's all right. Just make sure you found out on the right side of where you stand with Jesus. Look, God blesses him because of his obedience. Let's, con let's continue. Chapter 25, verse 11. And Amaziah strengthened himself and led forth his people, and they went to the valley of salt and smote the children of Seir 10,000. And other 10,000 left alive did the children of Judah carry away captive and brought them unto the top of the rock and cast them down from the top of the rock that they all were broken in pieces. So look, he didn't need that extra 100,000 men. God was with him. He went out to battle. Everything fell into his hands. And so God was with him. 
However, here was the turning point in Amaziah's life. Verse 13, But the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back, that they should not go with him to battle, fell upon the cities of Judah, from Samaria even unto Beth Horon, and smote 3,000 of them, and took much spoil. So first, even though he had this victory, what happened? What happened? The children of Israel, they were so angry that while he was out at battle, they came and they fell upon the cities of Judah. They fought against him. They were just so upset. Do you know that? And look, friends, sometimes there are consequences to the decisions that we make even though God tells us not to do it. You know, Amaziah, he, he could have said, God, I, I followed your instruction, but how come you let the, the Israelites come and attack us while we were off there, making war against your enemy? You were the one that told us, don't let them go. Surely you should have held their evil in check, right? But God didn't, no. While they were out fighting against the enemies of God, Israel came in and attacked his country. And look, friends, there are consequences sometimes for us running ahead of God. That's what I call it. Not that he sinned. No, he ran ahead of God. God said, hey, Amaziah, just wait. But even in this correction, there was still a consequence. That's okay. But sometimes we don't look at it that way. You quit your studies, your parents might disown you for the rest of their lives. They might not talk to you for the next 20 years. It's okay. And you're like, wait, wait a minute. No, that's not okay. I want my parents to love me. Look, when you follow Jesus, not everybody will love you. Do you understand that? And I think you've you got to come to this, this understanding right now. Because if you want everybody to love you when you follow Jesus, you will never follow Him. Do you think everybody loved Noah when he was preaching for 120 years? What do you think? Do you think everybody loved Daniel? How do you think he ended up in the lion's den? You really think everybody loved John the Baptist? the greatest of all prophets? Look, if you say some foolish things and people don't like you, then you deserve to be persecuted. That's what First Peter says. If you do something wrong and they hurt you or they hit you or they do something against you, take it patiently because you deserve it. But if you have not done anything wrong, have you been following what Christ says, then praise the Lord. For all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Amen? Amen. Expect it. Don't think that following Jesus is a bed of roses. Let me put it a different way. Don't think marriage is a bed of roses. <laughs> you'd be very, very upset when you get to the marriage bed and the marriage vow and you realize that it's not all what you expected it to be. And I find that many people in their Christian journey, they're like that as well. Because I followed Christ, I gave up the world, I gave up a lot of things, and now my life got worse. doesn't make sense. I lost six million ringgit, 
And on top of that, people came and conquered me. How does that work? Doesn't make sense, right? But that's okay. In the midst of all these trials, don't let go of God. But I told you, I believe this verse was one of the turning points in Amaziah's reign. Let's continue. Verse 14. Now it came to pass, after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed down himself before them and burned incense unto them. Can you imagine this? At the end of this victory that God gives him, Amaziah, he brings all the gods of the Edomites back with him. And was it because he was so upset with God that he didn't protect him while he was out to battle? It could be. It's a possibility. And it's something I don't want you to discount as we go through the rest of this message. But let's keep going. Verse 15. Wherefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah, and he sent unto him a prophet, which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people, which could not deliver their own people out of thine own hand? And it came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said unto him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear. Why shouldst thou be smitten? Then the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this, and hast not hearkened to my counsel. We do not know what happened to this prophet after that, okay? But do you know what the king said to him? Basically, in verse 16, so, so the prophet came and told him this, 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 asked him this question, why did you do this? Why did you disobey God? And the king turned around in verse 16 and he said, tell me, give me one reason why I should not smite you. Do you see that? And the prophet, he still had to tell the truth. He told him, look, God was ready to destroy you. Why have you done this? You know, for a man of this stature, a king, to be rebuked, you would think that Amaziah actually was, was quite humble already because he hired the 100,000 men, right? And then the prophet came and said, don't do it. So he said, okay, I won't do it. I'll let go of the 6 million. I'll let go of the 100,000 and let them be angry at me. I'll go out to battle. God's with him gives him the victory, but he comes back and he sees all that's happening. God, why did you let these people conquer me? Had I not done this, everything would have been all right, right? But then the prophet comes and rebukes him for bringing all these gods back with him, and now he gets angry at the prophet. What's going on with Amaziah? Why did all of a sudden, Amaziah to do a 180 on God. He's going this way, and he's, he's being faithful, and he's with God, and God is with him. And then all of a sudden, he brings all the gods of Seir back with him. And he turns around and goes in the opposite direction to God. What happened? Look at else what happened in, chapter, in verse 17 of chapter 25. Verse 17. Then Amaziah, king of Judah, took advice and sent to Joash the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come, let us see one another in the face. So King Amaziah, he talks to the king of Israel and says, look, I want to see you face to face. And it wasn't just a pleasant meeting. What he was wanting to do here is fight 
against the king of Israel. He was so upset at what had happened. He allowed this whole situation to get the better of him. Verse 18, And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give thy daughter to my son to wife. And there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trod down the thistle. Do you know what king of Israel says? You're a little thistle. You're this little plant. And you're telling me, a cedar, that you want to come and fight with me? Are you sure you want to do this? You know, the king of Israel is the one that warns him. Are you sure you want to fight with me? Verse 19, thou sayest, lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thine heart lifteth thee up to boast. Abide now at home. Why shouldst thou meddle to thine hurts, that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah with thee? So the king's like, look, you had a victory over the Edomites, okay? But don't get proud about it. Be careful. Even though God gave you the victory, don't think that now you should come and turn around and fight against me. So even the king of Israel is warning him, don't get proud about your accomplishments. But Amaziah would not hear it, for it came to God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash, the king of Israel, went up, and they saw one another in the face, both he and Amaziah, king of Judah, at Beth Shemesh, which belongeth to Judah. And Judah was put to the worst before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. Who won? Judah or Israel? It was Israel. So Amaziah insisted, come, I want to fight against you. So they met up, and the king of Israel actually was the victor at this time. What happened? What caused Amaziah to turn away from God? Look at verse 27. Now, after the time that Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem. And he fled to Lachish, but they sent to Lachish after him and slew him there. You know why Amaziah died at the ripe old age of 54? That's not old. That's still pretty young. It's because they assassinated him just like the father. Verse 28, they brought him upon horses and buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah. What happened? This is the question that we need to understand today. Yes, he did not serve God with his whole heart. In other words, if I could rephrase it in a different way, he did not go with God the whole way. He was willing to listen to God and sacrifice six million ringgit, seven million ringgit, and his reputation as a king and being right and whatever it was, he was willing to forego all of that, but yet when he came around and turned around and saw that God didn't bless him, he kind of got angry, and he let go of God in that moment. But in that moment, he did something even more foolish. He brought the gods of the Edomites back with him. In saying what? God, you weren't with me. I followed you and you didn't bless me. You didn't protect my children. You didn't keep my household safe. I followed you. And you didn't help me. And his time of extremity, he let go of God. 
But do you know, he went something else, went through something else as well. I want to show you something else that could possibly, possibly be the reason why he also rejected God at the end. Amaziah did not die a good king. The rest of his reign was marked by wickedness. I don't know whether we'll see him in heaven. I hope we do. But he was a good king at the beginning. But it was later on that he became bad. This instance that we've looked at here in this chapter could be the reason why, but I want to give you something else. Look at chapter 26 and verse 1. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father, Amaziah. So Amaziah had a son. His name was Uzziah. And when Amaziah was slain, assassinated, they took his son and put him on the throne. Now, Uzziah at this time was how old? 16. Tell me, if Amaziah lived until the ripe old age of 54, how old was he when Uzziah was born? How old was he? Come on. How old was he? He was 38 years old. Okay? He was 38 when Uzziah came out. Now, at what age did Amaziah become king? Do you remember? 25 years old. So he became king at the age of 25, and it's only 13 years later that he has a son. This is not normal practice for the kings. Why? Tell me why. Why is it that sons were so important? So that they can continue ruling, being king. So the kingship stayed within the family, right? But for 13 years, if Amaziah had died, there would be no one to take over his kingship. Do you see that? If you're married for 13 years and you don't have any children, there's something wrong. Number one, you've either decided never to have children, so that's okay. Number two, your wife is barren or the man, you've got a problem as well. Number three, you just decided to have kids later, but usually that's not the case. People usually don't get through 13 years of marriage and not have children. Are you with me? Are you understanding what's going on here? What I want to paint in this picture that many people sometimes we overlook is the desperation of Amaziah. You know, the gods of, I mean, the pagan gods out there, there is a goddess of war, there's a goddess of love, and there's a goddess of fertility. And I believe that in his desperation, Amaziah let go of God, not just in his kingship, ruling the country and protecting it, but now even in his home. For 13 years, he'd been trying to have a son, unsuccessful. You would have thought he would have turned to another wife, but he didn't. For that one 
time and that moment in his life, he let go of God in his desperation. And he turned to the gods of those that he had conquered. Do you see that? So, look, Ellen White doesn't say much about King Amaziah. There's only three times his name is mentioned, and it even isn't really in relation to his wife and his life. But you could see, look, if I'd been married to my wife for 13 years and we didn't have any children, in, in hindsight, we think we would be quite, it would be quite enjoyable because we had a kid the first year. But I sit here looking at the parents and uh, many of us, I don't think, uh, Cassidy, I don't know if you're 13 years married or not, but you have two. You know what I mean? We don't realize the pressure that it comes with when, when you're the, you've been married for 13 years or possibly longer and you can't have kids. You know, we all go through times of desperation. It's not just in relation to having children. We all go through pressure moments in our life. That's what I'm trying to help you to understand. In our times of desperation when sometimes maybe you lose your job and you got no money, where will you turn? Some of us will turn to drugs, illegal behavior, or maybe just doing things that we know we shouldn't be doing, like working on the Sabbath. But in times of our desperation, where do we run to? And this, this situation didn't manifest itself straight away in Amaziah's life. It came up slowly. Are you with me? He didn't give his whole heart to God. He gave part of it. He gave the best that he could, but he didn't give everything. You know? And it wasn't manifested straight away. But friends, what I'm trying to tell you this morning is half a heart is not good enough. You cannot serve God just halfway. Because sooner or later, life will catch up to you and turn you the other way. Are you with me? You cannot think that you can hold on to something and serve God still, or be with God, or walk with God. Don't think that sitting here on a Sabbath morning has any virtue. That does not determine how much of your heart God has, you have given to God. It will reveal it but you got to look at your life and how you're living. Are you applying all that you know to be right? I'm talking about 100%. Not 70, not 80, not 90. All your heart. Amaziah, from the beginning of his reign, he didn't give God everything. And what was that? He didn't learn to trust in God through all the precious situations in life. You know, friends, all of us, and I'm telling you, all of us will go through these pressure moments. 
Look, I give Bible studies to people who are not Christian all the time. And they look at what I teach them like it's a fairy tale. I hear what you say, but I'm not going to do it. You know why? Because I don't need it right now. I see people, they have good marriages. They're not Adventists. They're not Christian. They don't go to church. You know? And they have good marriage too. They have happy life. They have enough money. They have a roof over their head. But I'm telling you, every single one of us will meet a pressure situation in our life that will make or break us. Do you understand that? And maybe some of you are sitting here this morning even, and you realize that there was something in, that, in your life that you've gone through that has broken you. And that's why you're the way you are. Oh, yes, you used to serve in church. You used to be a deaconess or even a deacon. You used to lead in singing or playing the piano. You used to come and be part of the leadership in church. But now, oh, I've been there. I've done that. I don't do that anymore. Thank you very much. But it shouldn't be that way. Somewhere along the way in your life, you allow the devil to get the better of you. And that's why you're just an observer in church now. Yes, observer is not good enough. You know why? We need to plant another church, amen? You're like, what are you talking about? We just started sack. But in order to plant another church, we need more leaders. Leadership is not, oh, I've done that already. I'll let the younger people to do that now. No, if God calls you to lead, you should be a leader for the rest of your life. Don't think that there's a time that I can step down. Paul says, I'm going to lay my mantle down at the end when I die. But I'm going to hold on to that till the very end. And if you're not serving in church, but you used to before, it's because you allowed life to get the better of you. You might not admit it, but that is a fact, friends. That means you are serving God half-heartedly and not with your whole heart. My dear brothers and sisters, God requires everything. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, this is quoted from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Sound familiar? Jesus was quoting from Deuteronomy. Chapter 10, verse 12, go there as well. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all His ways, to love Him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. God is a jealous God. He wants everything. He wants 100%, just like our spouses, just like our parents who love us so much. All or nothing. My dear brothers and sisters, is there something that you are holding on to that you still are not willing to give to God? It's a struggle maybe in your heart. It's a struggle maybe in your life. But I'm telling you, if you don't give it up, something is going to come to put you in a situation of desperation and you are going to make the wrong decision. You're going to turn around and leave God. And all that you've been doing, even as a leader in the church, will be for nothing. 
Come on, dear brothers and sisters. I know that we have all seen enough to know that our God is good. Amen? I know that we've all tasted enough to know that God loves us and that He wants to give us the very best. But the decision has to come back down to our own lives and what we choose. Friends, all our heart. We got to go with Jesus all the way. Don't just go half. Salt students, you came and you gave up four months. Don't just give up after you leave. Some of you have been on this journey for a long time. But don't think you've done enough. We have never done enough. We can serve God and preach every Sabbath for the rest of our lives. It's still not enough. Are you with me? Why? Because we have not yet died for Him. Christ is not asking us to die. He's asking us to live every day of our lives. I want to leave with you a quote. It's just a short sentence. I didn't want to put it up. It's taken from Christian Experience and Teachings, CET 204, Paragraph 1. We have nothing to fear for the future. I think you know this quote. We have nothing to fear for the future except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and His teaching in our past history. I think the reason why many of us don't go with God all the way is not because simply we were half-hearted all the way, but some of us were just prone to forget. My dear brothers and sisters, I want you to recount God's blessing in your life. And what is it that is making you still sit here in your seat week in, week out on the Sabbath morning? Don't forget. Don't forget the blessedness, the experience that you have that's brought you to this point. Amaziah, he went halfway and then he forgot. Don't. Let's go with God all the way. As we sing the song, the hymn, All the Way, My Savior Leads Me. Let that be the prayer of our heart that we're going to say, God, today, we're going to recommit. We're going to make this decision again. Lord, I am going to go all the way. I'm going to leave the world behind. I'm going to leave all those decisions that I've made to, to, to put those things away. I'm going to make sure that it's a permanent thing. All the way. Shall we stand as we sing our closing song? All the way, my Savior leads me. Can that be a song of our experience, truly? Can we say that Jesus really has led us all the way? Has He led you here? Did He lead you to Malaysia? Did He lead you to your course of studies? Did He lead you to the friends that you're hanging out with? Did He lead you to what you're watching on the computer? Did He lead you to the job that you're taking? Did He lead you in your choice of relationships? Is He leading you all the way? Or is it sometimes that we're prone to let God lead and then sometimes we think we know better? 
friends, has Christ been leading you all the way? That's a question that you have to answer in your life. But here's the thing, if He hasn't, it's not too late to make that change. Amen? We don't have to wait for the prophets to come and rebuke us and to humble us. We don't have to wait for disasters to happen in our lives before we say, okay, God, I need to make that recommitment. We can do that today. We can say, Lord, I want to surrender my life into your hands again. And all the decisions that I've done wrong, please, by your grace, give me the courage, give me the strength, give me the willingness to follow you all the way. Is that your decision? You're willing to say with me, God, I surrender again everything. Let's bow our heads, shall we? Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for your mercy that extends beyond our deepest sins. Lord, so many times we have chosen the ways of the world. So many times we've rejected you. But yet here you are standing again with your arms stretched out wide telling us that you're ready to help us if only we would recommit again to you. Lord, you've seen our needs. You've seen our lives. Help us. Guide us and lead us. In this coming week, I pray that you teach us what it means to walk by faith. Teach us what it means for you to be our constant companion. Lord, please, lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.